You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. So if you uh, want to take your Bibles and turn to the first book of Genesis or the first book of the Bible, Genesis. One. It's believed that Moses is the writer of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy that make the five books of the Pentateuch. It's important to understand that in in Genesis, Moses is recording the account of creation as spoken to him by God. He's not writing an essay on what he did last summer. He wasn't there. And we're not reading the script of a play. But if we desire to better understand the need for the cross of Christ, the Savior that we've been singing about this morning, it's helpful if we go back to the beginning. So the first verse of Genesis reads, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis simply means origin or beginning. And then in verse, verses 2 and 3, we read that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Do you see the Trinity in, these, in those verses? The Hebrew word God, as used here, refers to the one true God. In verse 2, we see the Spirit of God hovering over the face of the earth. In verse 3, and God said. And God said, if God is speaking, what's coming out of his mouth? What's being proclaimed? Words. So there we see the Word, which we know Jesus, the Son of God, was the Word in flesh incarnate. So we have the Father, the Spirit, and the Son all present at the creation. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. God said, and it was so. Verse 3 of John 1 says that all things were made through him. Nothing was made. I should get to that. Nothing was made that was. Nothing. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. When God saw the result of his word, what he saw was good. But I don't think he was surprised. If we look at Isaiah 55, and I think Mike maybe just had that in a recent message um, not, not long ago. Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11, speaks about God's word and its effectiveness. For as the rain 
This verse 10, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So that pattern of God said, and there was, and it was good, continues through verse 25 with the making of all the livestock, creeping things, and beasts. And then in verse 26, God said, Let us make man in our image. The Hebrew word uh, used here for man is the generic term for mankind. So verse 27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Remember that Moses is recording this some 2,000 years after the six days of creation. God is well aware of the inclination of the human heart to reject truth and to, fab- and to fabricate what makes sense to us. He is intentionally very clear here that he created man in his own image. And then he says it, the same thing in a different way. In the image of God, he created him. And then one more time for the especially stubborn that he made male and female, he created them. It's the same thing he did with, to be sure there was no room to question if it was literally six 24-hour days of creation. He doesn't just say on day one. He says, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. So by the end of day six, God has made man, male and female, one race, blessing them and telling them to be fruitful and multiply. And behold, it was very good. The intimacy of one man and one woman in marriage to bear children was God's plan to fill the earth with his image bearers. He told them, be fruitful and multiply. Now, as you continue reading in Genesis, if you anticipate this to be a chronological account of events, it might be a little confusing because Moses goes back and for a second time records the creation of of mankind, specifically how they came to be male and female and the covenant that God made with Adam. In verse 8 of chapter 2, we see that God planted a garden and the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden. It's where God wanted him to be. Notice it wasn't a ranch or a field. It was a garden, a special place that the Lord had designed for Adam to enjoy and spend time with his creator. It makes me think of Jesus' promise to go and prepare a place for us that where he is, there we may be also with him. Also notice that 
it was God's design that Adam would work the garden and care for it. This was the plan before sin's curse. Work was the plan. It was not a punishment. Work was meant to be a joy and a blessing, not to be burdensome and drudgery. Now, God is responsible for what was in the garden. All the vegetation and the plants were there by his command. So the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was there by God's design. And then God made a covenant with Adam. Verse 17. Excuse me, verse 16. The Lord commanded the man, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you surely shall die. It seems pretty simple. Every tree, except for one. Just one tree commanded not to eat of. God wasn't chintzy. He gave him the whole garden. Everything everything that was in the garden except one tree. But then we get to verse 18. And for the first time, we see God say that something was not good. He said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. So God followed through. Uh, Excuse me. First, God had uh, graciously had Adam name all of the beasts and the birds and livestock. And Adam sees for himself that there is no helper fit for him. So God follows through with his word in verse 18 and made him a helper fit for Adam. Notice the Lord didn't make a whole new creature, but he took from Adam what was already created in Adam and made, the Hebrew word here is built, into a woman. And the Lord brings her to him. And Adam was very pleased. The Bible says, They were naked and not ashamed. But now the serpent comes along and and says to the woman, he twists the word of God and casts doubt on the word. And then he calls God a liar. Which actually Satan, as the serpent, is the liar. If you remember, Jesus said, lying is his native tongue, referring to Satan. He's the father of lies, and he's been a liar from the beginning. The serpent tells the woman that God is holding out on her, that there's more good to come to her if she, if she eats of the fruit. So she decides to take that advice. So she takes fruit, she ate, and she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Now, Adam may not have been with her when Satan was tempting her. But he was there when she yielded to that temptation. And they both disobeyed God's command. Here's kind of where I want to 
bring it together in in this passage or this um, broad view of Genesis 1, 2, and 3. As soon as they disobeyed, so verse 7 of chapter 3, as soon as they disobeyed, declaring their independence from God, the Bible says that they realized that they were naked. Their eyes were opened, and they realized they were naked. See, the Lord had breathed in them the breath of life, and it provided for all their needs. But in the moment that they believed Satan's lie and acted on that lie, they rejected their creator. They became submissive to Satan, a product of the father of lies. They instantly were aware that they had no righteousness, no glory apart from the Lord God, and they were ashamed. And here's how we can understand that God's word in the covenant with Abraham or with uh, Adam of in the day you eat of it you shall surely die God knew what he was talking about His word does not fail and Adam and Eve became spiritually dead that day Number 1 we see that they tried to fix their nakedness by themselves with plant leaves they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves And number two, they hid. See, notice who went searching and called out to them. The relationship, the close fellowship was gone. Their understanding of God seems to be lost such that they don't or can't even think to go to the Creator for the remedy. It's why the Lord said, in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. It's why the New Testament tells us that we are dead in our sins and trespasses. How much can a dead man do to help his condition, to reverse it? They can't even see that it's their fault. Adam blames his wife and implies that it might be God's fault for bringing the woman to him. And Eve blames the serpent. That pattern has continued through mankind. Nobody wants to take blame. Then the Lord pronounces judgment and consequences for everyone involved. But Adam and Eve's condition of deadness will be passed to the entire human race. But there is good news. In Genesis 3.15, we see God's promise of a remedy. Verse 15 says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. God's not being a fortune teller here or or hopeful. He knows. He's speaking, just like in creation. He's speaking. His word is going forth, and it will accomplish his purpose. A redeemer, a righteous one, fully obedient to the will of the Father, will triumph over Satan, over, over the destruction that Satan has brought about. A redeemer, 
will have victory. So the Savior is promised. And then we see a picture of Christ's sacrifice. God kills an animal, the shedding of blood, and makes garments of skin. Throughout the Bible, we see God working to bring his plan of salvation to all who repent and believe. And for those that do, we will once again reflect the likeness and the image of the God that we were created by. What God has done in recording creation, the fall, and redemption is a beautiful, beautiful story. And it should give all of us hope because when we understand our condition, truly understand our condition, the hopelessness of our condition, and we see that God, not sparing his own son, just like we sang about, but gave him up for us. What good news. What provision. Through our creator. By our creator. Uh, The music team can come up if they want. Um, I'm going to read Psalm 100. No. I already read that one. Psalm 98, 99. Get it in a minute. Psalm 99, first three verses. The Lord reigns. Let the people tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he.